RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Good afternoon. Yep, it's one minute after, so good afternoon. Um, My name is Lindsay Slocum. Welcome to Closing the Distance, and where every week we spend some time with Jeff or whoever the preaching pastor is thinking more about the sermon from the day before. And so today we're going to talk to Jeff about his fantastic sermon yesterday. Yesterday, you were on fire with cultural references. Like it was, I don't know if I've ever heard so many obscure band references in one place ever. Like I never heard of any of those bands, none, zero, well, <laughs> but you packed a whole bunch in. <laughs> well, Lindsay, I mean, okay. Now they're obscure to you, but like somebody who's in like into indie rock music, they're, you know, they're probably like the people roll, like indie rock fans are rolling their eyes. Like, oh, he's only into that many bands. Come on, let's see what you really got. <laughs> So it's, you know, it's probably like, you know, Shakespeare fans, you know, like, oh, you quoted from Romeo and Juliet. Everybody quotes from Romeo and Juliet, you know. (laughs) Okay. But you did, yesterday, you did give us this long list of uh, bands that you had seen in small venues in Seattle, because you you made the point that it's like kind of the home of rock bands. Um, And you, so you'd seen all of these. So tell us, like of all of these bands that you got to see tell us like the most I don't know your best experience your most profound like what was your favorite what was your favorite concert that you got to see well that's a great question so I mean back then my um I mean probably the most the one of the transformative experiences I had was I snuck up I was a freshman and 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 college and somebody in gate like had an extra ticket to go see u2 on the pop mark tour and it was the last stop and they're playing at the kingdom in seattle which is no longer in existence and uh and you know we were way back from the stage and some of my friends who i knew who were older than me were closer to the stage and so i i sneaked up to uh be right on the stage a front row uh for you too which was pretty awesome oh, then I became wow. a huge YouTube fan you know I can get I get kind of obsessed I go through stages so I was obsessed with you too for a long time and then um maybe my sophomore junior year I got really into smaller bands like bands that were less um famous at the time mm-hmm. so I uh so like you know like Death Cab for Cutie is a huge band now the Shins are a huge band um you know we're famously mentioned the movie Garden State um, but I saw them like in tiny little record stores and I was there 
in the 90s, you know, so grunge happened early 90s. And then, you know, with the death of Kurt Cobain, things kind of shifted. And then it was like the second generation of indie rockers. So it was le- it was more of like, there was more, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it was just like, they weren't trying to reach such a broad audience. It was more localized. And so I was just going to shows all the time. I was really blessed um, to have friends that were into it too. So we, we just go to a lot of, <laughs> a lot of shows. And like, you know, I saw Elliot Smith was really awesome to see him you know he died tragically um not long after that but i saw him and he was this guy you know it was back when people used to smoke indoors and it was like <laughs> the most rock and roll thing where he was playing his acoustic guitar and he was smoking a cigarette and then he's it, it hadn't gone out yet so then he put it in the in between his strings at the end of the guitar oh and goodness. then played a song and then took it out and started smoking again and i was just thought it was like the most rock and roll thing i was like wow that guy's talented keep it going so uh that was i just have so many funny memories and i saw like i saw um so one of my favorite bands at the time was this band called pedro the lion Mm -hmm. and they opened up i think it was them then death cab and then the black eyed peas played but it was the black eyed peas before fergie joined the band so So a different black eyed peas yeah it was totally different and it was much (laughs) more like um it was not like uh, anthemic, you know, didn't have all the hooks that they would go on to have and become so famous. And that was just really funny. And it was like just such a strange grouping of, of bands to like, you have this like hip hop band. Oh, I saw, I saw the roots in a tiny, um, in a tiny, uh, under 21 club. So it was like, you had to be 18 or older. I think it was 18. And a buddy of mine worked for a record company. He's like, let's go see this hip hop band. I'm like, the oh, wow. So weird. And you know, Quest Love and all that was awesome in this like little venue. And it was pretty, it was pretty fun. Um, and then Pearl Jam, I got to see a, a secret, uh, a secret show. So Pearl Jam in Seattle at the time, I don't know if they still do this, but they would release a record and then they would go on tour to support the record. But right. before they would go out on tour, they would play what they called a secret show. And you had to know somebody who knew somebody to get tickets to it. And I eventually uh, and so, oh, <laughs> I was dating a girl at the time that she somehow got tickets and she's like, and so she took me to see Pearl Jam, the secret show up in uh, Bellingham, Washington, which is north of uh, Seattle. It's like on the uh, the binaural tour. So it was like the first time they ever played all these songs. It was really, it was really awesome. And then, um, and then a couple nights later, I ended up, I was at a Queens of the Stone Age show and Queens of the Stone Age, who went on to be really big, um, and they weren't from Seattle, but they were on uh, Loose Groove Records originally, which was um, a record company owned by Stone Gossard. Stone Gossard is one of the guitarists in Pearl Jam. So he was at the show and I just seen him play at the secret Pearl Jam show. So then I go up uh, to Stone. It was just and my buddy knew Stone. And so he was like worried that I was going to embarrass myself and embarrass him. But I just went up to Stone. I just said, man, that was awesome. Thanks so much for putting that show on last night. I had just had so much fun. He was like, yeah, man. Cool. I was, I was like, why is this guy talking to me? But then, yeah, I mean, I saw REM a bunch of times cause they were, cause um, you know, what's his face uh, lived in Seattle and his wife at the time owned one of the big rock, the crocodile cafe, which is a big rock club. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh my gosh. It just slipped my mind. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But um, Peter Buck. Yeah, that's right. Peter Buck. Oh. So, <laughs> so Peter Buck. Terry Kish for the win coming in on the comments. Thank on you, that. Terry. You're uh, <laughs> saving me from rock and roll embarrassment. So I mean, it's so impressive to me how this is like a whole 
language for you. Like this is something that speaks to you. It's the way that you express yourself is through all of this music. It, it's very impressive because honestly, half the things you just said, I, I don't quite, I don't know who, who you're talking about, but, but you know, I, I appreciate it. It's almost like, I mean, it almost functions as religious experience because it's like mm -hmm. you get in this room. Most of the people know the songs. Oh, I saw Weezer at this little, you know, Weezer had released the, the Blue album, got huge, and then Rivers Cuomo, uh, then he, then I think he released Pinkerton. It was kind of, people weren't so sure about it. Then he went back to Harvard and finished, and they thought Weezer was done. So he'd been out of commission for a while, and then they go on this tour. And I remember, it like, I, somehow I got tickets, and it was amazing. They were fantastic. Anyway, all this is to say, that functions as religious experience, that you're in this room with a group of people, and what is the thing that unites you? It's this this music, and it's almost like a liturgy that brings you all together. Yeah. Um, and you and a good show, you're gonna feel you're gonna feel exhilaration. You're gonna feel sadness. You know, you're gonna get in touch with your feelings. Um, you know, you're gonna sing about love. You're gonna sing about hate sometimes. And so it really uh, embraces um, the whole human being. And I think in a community. And I think one of the sad things. Uh, nowadays is a lot of people would just prefer to stay home um and watch youtube or something and i think you know that's fine and i i do that too but there's something about going to a show mm -hmm. and being with a group of strangers oftentimes and you're united in kind of your common love of this thing and this experience that you can't replicate you have to be there for it um and i was and i hadn't really experienced that um until i got to college and it was just this really special time um, where I got, where I was able to go. And so it kind of influenced me, um, to this day. And I, I, I don't go to nearly as many shows as I used to. Um, but I, but I try to, so. Well, and I know we need to, to talk more about the theological implications of your sermon, but the kind of on that note with this kind of experience of live music, the, you know, the other thing too, is so often when we go to these shows, it's because that the, the songs that the artist is singing are things that have somehow been a soundtrack to the, our various life experiences and so you know we come in to so for me one of my favorite conference con concerts is billy joel and so like you know he plays the song and i have this emotional connection because this song played during you know I, this was something my dad played all the time and it's this kind of connection to my childhood but then there's this other person and something important happened while they were listening to that billy joel song and so we all had this very emotional connection it and then the guy who's singing it's in the room with you and and so you all kind of join it yeah so just exactly what you're saying it's, it's very liturgical yeah. yeah it's so fun yeah 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 thanks for sharing all that and um i i also think too again i'll get over to the the theological implications of the sermon in a second but i just want to say as someone who listens to you preach um, on a regular basis. I think that that's such a gift that you bring when you're preaching is kind of offering like, here's this um, really, these beautiful experiences that I have it, this this um, other way for people to connect to the sermon, but also to connect to you because you're sharing your vulnerabilities through this experiences that you've had. And um, so I, I always appreciate that you right. incorporate that. Well, and the thing is, Lindsay, and I, I, and I think I thought more about this because I want to be more explicit about music in some ways that I maybe do. I, it's more of an aside, but um, like, I think there's just this, some, I think it's Western Christianity, American Christianity. It's as if we have like this, this like sacred spiritual like side. And then this like um, unsacred, you know, mm. um, 
you know, secular side. Right. And I'm like, no, there's none of that. This is God's world. And so mm-hmm. I can have an experience of the divine of God at a concert that can move my heart, can move my soul, can inspire me, um, can connect in wit. And that's not unvalid uh, or um, not validated or, or um, fake or, or less meaningful than when I'm reading the Bible or praying. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think I, and I think that's in our tradition, especially the Reformed tradition, we really believe that God is Lord of all of life. And so the fact that I enjoy going to shows, um, I hope I want to express to people that that's part of my religious practice. That's part of me being a Christian and a creature of um, God and follower of Christ in the world. Um, that's mm-hmm. God's world. And I think now it doesn't have to be going to rock and roll shows. It could be sewing. It could be uh, visual art. It could be cooking, you know, like all these other things that there are ways to connect um, that can be spiritual experiences that I think um, that I think a lot of we forget about. And then we either mm-hmm. feel guilty about them. We we don't connect. We, we forget that this is a way that God wants to speak to us. Um, so I, I that's one of the reasons I try to highlight that stuff. Well, and I, I think that. It's very much uh, one of the gifts that we got out of your sermon yesterday too, is this idea of the, of God blessing us with these things. And then because God blesses us with those things, then we're called to, to go out and do that. And so, you know, these musicians that you're listening to, like they've been blessed with this gift. And so they are offering that gift and to you. And then because of your experience at these shows, then that has been a blessing to you. And then you're using that to go out and bless others too, through the proclamation yeah. of the word. And um, so it's very much, I think part of what you were offering even us in our, in your sermon yesterday. <laughs> okay. So, so speaking of your sermon, here is one of the things that I, um, I, I you almost kind of, I don't know. I, I spent so much time processing this yesterday. And so I want us to circle back to it. Okay. So you were talking about Mary and you're like, so Mary, the angel comes and says, Oh, you're going to have a baby. This is great. And you're like, what if Mary had been like, nah, I just put on a couple LBs or or whatever. But one of the things you said is what if Mary had said, wow, this is a really significant inconvenience. And, um, and then you even go on later to talk about how sometimes the, the blessings don't feel like a blessing at the time. And, and you unpack that more, but I, I never really thought about as we're discerning in our own lives, how God is at work in our own lives. Um, this, figuring out what it looks like to navigate that, which is a blessing and that, which is an inconvenient and how sometimes maybe it's one and the same, like maybe part of God's molding us and shaping us. Um, but I, I just thought that that was super fascinating and, and thinking through um, how do you know, and what does it look like to discern that? And sometimes things are in our way and that doesn't mean that they're really a blessing. And do you know what I'm saying? Like just kind yeah. of discerning all of that and, and figuring out like what is God at work and what is not God at work. That's a super hard concept. Yeah. And so, okay, a couple things. So uh, see if you buy this. Um, So I think in our culture, you know, so much, especially with like social media and whatnot, we hear the language of blessed, blessing, hashtag blessed. Mm. Um, and And then with like television preachers, name it and claim it theology. So we, we have a lot of confusion in our head about what blessing is. And I tried to root um, or uh, root blessing in this idea of promise, okay, and 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 I try to tie in to say, okay, 
who's the only one who can keep promises, really, in a, like an ultimate sense? Is God in Jesus Christ because all promises come to end in death, and therefore um, God in Jesus Christ because defeated death and resurrection is the only true promise keeper. So therefore, our blessing is only. So I see. I see that is the kind of overarching blessing that we have that this is who we are in light of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And that all our other small blessings are seen in the light of that great promise of blessing. Um, and so many times in our lives, we won't know in, in the moment, is this an inconvenience or is this a blessing? And we have to walk by faith that in the end, it will end up being a blessing ultimately. Mm. So I, I think that's how I try to think of it. Um, because the notion of like blessedness has this idea of going back, you know, because blessed plays a big role in the Psalms, uh, Proverbs. To be blessed um, is to be on the right road. Okay. And mm -hmm. so, and that on the right road, it can be rocky terrain. It can feel like you're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. You could be going uphill, you could be tired, you know. Uh, and so, but to be blessed is re-understood in light of this cosmic good that God promises us in Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And so really, okay, this is so good. And so really, um, you pull, by setting it up that way, it pulls a lot of the emotion out. So it's we're no longer trying to decide what makes us happy versus what makes us unhappy, but really looking at kind of what fits into this kind of the narrative of God restoring and reconciling God's people. Yeah. And, you know, Aristotle, um, uh, you know, kind of used the word, the happy life as the blessed life. And and in his sense, happiness is not um, like a, a fragile emotion. It's, it's this, it, it, it's much deeper. And so when we think about the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn. Well, my, what, What's blessed about mourning? Mm. You know, well, I think Jesus, well, have you ever met somebody that can't mourn? Have you, have you met someone that can't be sad? Mm -hmm. um, blessed are those um, who, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Right? Well, that doesn't seem very blessed. Well, have you met somebody who can't stand for anything? Have you met anybody um, that, you know, that just gives in to whatever whim is in the culture, whatever whim yeah. is in the, um, uh, and so those kinds of things, I think we have to be careful about understanding blessedness is a much deeper reality than just this kind of surface level hashtag blessed. Uh, you know, I got a new car, I'm blessed, or, um, right. you know, I had a successful date last night, I'm blessed, right? Well, yeah, and I think it, and I, I think too, in that at the same time, it's pulling away our authority. I don't know if that's the word I want. Kind of our fickleness um, in in determining that which is ultimately good and that which is ultimately not good, but but putting it back into that that God's the one who decides what is good. That God declares this, and and that is why you know God's going to decide what is yeah. blessed. I guess and. And I, um, and I think, and I, I don't think you're saying this, but I want to be careful that we make this clear that because you feel, let's say cursed, and that's the opposite of blessed, cursed. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you want to lament that. 
Well, there's, we're not saying you shouldn't feel those things. You know, it's just, it's just in the sense of in the end, God's blessing comes as a promise. And hopefully, and my hope is, is that in light of, you know, a lot of the evil and suffering in the world, in light of this great cosmic good that God promises, it will, um, it will redeem, you know, mm. it, it will play a part in a story that even we can't wrap our minds around, but we can only um, move in it by faith. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, and I know you're going to get into this next week. And so I'm not trying to steal anything from next week's sermon, just to say that, that that's a really important theme as we move into the Magnificat, because that's very much what, what Mary's going to be singing about as we move into there is this kind of, again, back to that overarching narrative, uh, the work that God is doing, the promise that is coming um, with this Christ child and, and, and the, and very specifically what the promise means for the people um, and kind of uh, writing the wrongs, I guess, or, or writing mm-hmm. those things, which have been so difficult for the, for God's people. Yeah. And in the gospel of Luke, we'll see, uh, it's fresh in my mind because I'm teaching a Bible study on Tuesday morning, 7 a.m. for men uh, on this right now. But you'll see there's a leveling of the playing field mm-hmm. in Jesus's ministry. He continues to go out to the margins. He Luke tells the stories of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, other tax mm-hmm. collectors. Jesus is accused of always eating with sinners, hanging out with sinners. People are like, what are you doing? And there's there Jesus almost like turns over our ex social expectations yeah. about who we should associate with who's good, who's bad. And he really messes with those categories. And I think that Mary's song is kind of a preview of what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the rest of the gospel of Luke. Yeah, absolutely. Very thematic. It gives us the themes mm-hmm. that Luke's going to kind of weave through the rest of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll mention really quick here too, that. Um, so you have a Bible study on Tuesdays at early. 7 a.m. A.m. Yeah, there's um, Zoom option as well. Yes, that's studying Luke. Uh, Randy has a Bible study at 1045 on Tuesdays um, for men, and they are studying Luke as well. My Bible study on Wednesdays at 1030 is also studying Luke. Mine's not men, it's women. Um, so there's lots of, if you are listening to this and you're really interested in studying Luke more, there are lots of options for that as well. It's it's a it's a very fascinating study. And, and I mean, to your point, these themes are coming up over and over again, kind of what, what God's promises of mm-hmm. blessing for God's people, what they look like. And, um, and they're very much kind of back to your earlier point. It's Luke is not really concerned with people being happy as much as he's really concerned with kind of God's blessings and kind of um, reconciling the world um, mm-hmm. back to, back to God and God's purposes. Right. Um, I don't want to get out of this conversation either without uh, highlighting. And I think last time you mentioned this quote, I highlighted it as well because it continues just to speak to me on a deep level. But you use the um, the Beekner quote again about um, our calling is where our deep gladness meets the world's great need, um, which I always just think is so powerful. And as we are really kind of thinking through the places in our lives where we have been blessed and out of that blessing called mm-hmm. to go out and serve others. Um, I, I think that continues to echo so much of what we're talking about, that it's not about what are the places in your life that have made you happy, um, but what are the places that kind of fit into this, to God's faithfulness and how are we going out and being faithful to what God's calling us to do. But, um, but there is such a deep 
gladness in that uh, and being part of God's will and, and meeting the world's great need. Anyway, I just think it's such a beautiful quote and I appreciate you always, not always using it, but well, you, anytime you reference it. I've used it like, I think several times in the <laughs> recently. And I'm, you know, I hate, I feel kind of sheepish about it, but then I'm like, most people don't come to church every Sunday. So, and then not every, it's so good. And it's, so, and most people aren't paying attention the whole time. And most people <laughs> can't remember, you know, what we had for lunch yesterday, let alone, you know, a sermon from three weeks ago. And it's just such a fantastic quote. Every time I read it or come across it, I'm like, that's just, I just love thinking about what is my deep gladness? What is my, we just don't talk like that usually. What is my, what makes me glad? What makes my deep gladness? And I think that, that if that, that's where I'm called, that's how God is working in my life. That's, that's really moving, I think. So what is your deep gladness then? Like, where, where are you on that these days as you've pondered the quote? Uh, well, <laughs> my deep gladness, um, you know, my family, I think, um, currently, I mean, I think music uh, always will be part of where my deep gladness is. Uh, I think literature, um, music, uh, movies, um, uh, books, you know, I, um, you know, and I, I love my job. You know, I, I get a deep gladness uh, from the people I work with, the congregation we serve. Um, it brings, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it brings me a lot of joy to do what we do and, mm-hmm. um, and you know, try to make a difference in people's lives. And so that's really, that's really fulfilling and uh, brings a lot of gladness. Mm-hmm. How about mm-hmm. you? And you can't repeat anything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> um also, yes, I can. Um, and I will repeat many of those things. But, you know, it's it's so funny. I actually was thinking about that this weekend. Um, as you know, we had several funerals this weekend. And unfortunately, we're finding ourselves in a season where we are having a lot of funerals right now. And um, funerals are so hard. And I, I was thinking about this weekend, I was thinking about the funeral that the funeral you and I um, got to, to do together. And I was thinking about just, you know, we saw so many faces that we haven't seen in a while, people who came back for the funeral and they've either moved or whatever. And, um, and it was this, you know, everybody just really loved this guy. And so we came together and we were sharing these stories about him and, um, and we had done a smaller family time around the graveside. And, and, you know, I just, I was thinking about how hard it was because we were saying goodbye to somebody that we all loved so much, but also just what, what an honor to to stand next to the family in a time like this like you know to walk into the the sanctuary with them or to stand at the graveside as they're um you know we're, we're commending his ashes to their final resting place and it's just like hard moments but just such an honor that the family is inviting me into that very sacred space and so um so I, I you know I don't want to say it's there's a a deep gladness in the sense that there's a happiness about that because it's not happy, but it's just, uh, I'm humbled and overwhelmed and honored um, to, to, to sit with a family in a, a moment like that. So, um, That's beautiful. So, yeah, I mean, and so certainly my family and all the other things too, but just I, this in particular, I was that moment this weekend, I, I was thinking just about this idea of this deep gladness and, and a, a way of doing ministry. Yeah. Anyway, honored okay. to be part of that. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. 
Um, okay. And then super quick too, because I know we're about to run out of time, but I don't want to bypass this. Um, you, I, I agree. You rightly were talking about just how many Elizabeths there are um, at Roswell Presbyterian Church, people um, who are surrounding us in our lives that are helping us to recognize and encourage our gifts and the blessings in our lives, encouraging us to go out and use those and spread them in the world. And um, so I, I just wondered when you think about your Elizabeths, who are the people in your life that help you to recognize your gifts and share those? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I've been, you know, uh, and I mentioned yesterday that, you know, I, I keep a, an encouragement folder that our congregation, um, you know, uh, emails and just says, is just really gracious and uh, generous with their um, encouragement and compliments and stuff. So I really appreciate that. But when I look back at my life, I think about, you know, um, high school principal where I got in big trouble and a high school principal said, hey, man, Tough times don't last, but tough people do. You're going to stick through it. I think about uh, coaches I had, um, you know, who helped me. I thought of a thing about uh, one of my first bosses uh, who actually fired me, which is a story for another day. But uh, he said, you know, I did, uh, you know, and he just really encouraged me to go a certain direction in my vocation, go to seminary and really uh, pursue pastoral ministry. So I think about, um, you know, I think about some folks that wrote uh, recommendations for me to go to seminary. Uh, the you know they put their um, their reputations on the line and said <laughs> some great things. So uh, I think like that. And my parents, uh, you know, I was I came from a loving uh, family. My wife, um, and so those are all folks that I feel um, really encouraged by. And uh, you know, I've I've been really blessed to have a lot of encouragers because I've needed it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, it's been, uh, that, that's one of those are some of the folks that are off the top of my head. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. Well, what kind of, um, real quick, what, what are you looking forward to this week? What's like the top thing you're looking forward to this week in the life of Jeff Myers? That's really a great question. I, I feel like, <laughs> you know, we had, this was just such a crazy weekend, um, yeah you know, you know, with the holiday ad, you know, cause we have all the stuff at the church and then you know, your personal life. I think we had like three parties. I went to a Hawks game, you know, it was just like, it was like swirling. So I, I look forward to a little downtime. I'm playing in a, a, a three club golf tournament on Saturday morning, which is uh, kind of a special format of a golf. They only let you take three clubs uh, in your golf bag and you play oh. as, a team, as a part of, you know, two guys are partnered together as a team. And so, I'm playing with my buddy Luke and it becomes a big decision about what three clubs are you going to choose? Yeah. Do you take driver. Do you take a three wood, a six iron? Do you do a, chip, uh, you know, a pitching wedge? Do you, do you take your putter? You know, all these kinds of things. So, it, so there's a strategy because then when you're out on the course playing, you know, you, you don't have your usual implements to, uh, you know, to, <laughs> to do, take the right shot. So you have to figure out, kind of be a little clever about how you're going to use the three clubs you have, um, you know, to maybe hit it further than you normally would with this club or uh, to hit it shorter. Uh, so it's really fun. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be on Saturday. That's cool. So can you borrow your buddy's clubs? Like if no. you brought a putter and you didn't? Okay, no. so you can only you get, three. get three. Ah, okay. Yeah, you don't want to, and I'll just give you a hint. You do not want to take a putter because a oh. putter, the only thing you really can do with it is putt. Okay. So you, oh, what you want to do, putter. and this is, so I've like, give a little more strategy away. I'm going to take, I have a, what's called like a 
a three hybrid that I can hit, you know, a couple hundred yards. Great. But I also putt really well with it. So um, I know a lot of guys that take a pitching wedge or a sand wedge and they putt with that, but they can also hit that 100, 110 yards or whatever. So you kind of have to strategize and figure out what you're good at uh, and good with. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's so fun. Okay. Well, we're going to ask you about that next week then, because that I'll be interested to hear how that goes. <laughs> well, we could have some stories. <laughs> I don't know if there's, I don't know if they're safe for Facebook and podcasting, but we'll, <laughs> we'll do what we can. And I don't want to get off of course, without mentioning glory of Christmas is next Sunday at four o'clock in the sanctuary. No tickets needed. Come um, and hang out. And then we have a lot of Christmas Eve options for everybody. Three, five, 7, 7.30, 10, and 11 on Christmas Eve. Um, so each of, and each of those kind of has its own different personality. So you can check out the website and figure out um, which time and personality will be a good fit for you. And then um, on Christmas Day, um, we, we wanted to make sure we could reach as many people as possible on Christmas day, but we know people have family obligations or are traveling. And so that service is going to be virtual on Christmas morning so that, uh, well, it's, uh, it'll be available online so that that way, wherever you are and whatever time you want to celebrate Christmas, you have access to that. So we're hoping that that will help as many as people as possible be able to worship on Christmas day or, or the next day, if you need to put it off till the 26th, so you'll have access to it whenever is convenient. So we're hoping that'll be a blessing for everybody. Jeff, thanks so much for your conversation today. I feel like we covered a lot of topics. <laughs> well, thank you, Lindsay. It was fun as always. And uh, anything we didn't cover, we can always get next Monday. Yes, yeah, we'll pick it up. All right, well, thanks. All right, Have thank a good you. Monday. Have a great week. Thanks, right, you too. Bye. bye.